And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome once again to The View from the Lane, the world-famous Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly and I'm joined on the podcast today by Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore as we build up to the return of the Premier League this weekend. Before we do that though, we've got a few questions left over from our mailbag show on Tuesday and we want to get through those. Jonathan S. talking about um, the, uh, another transfer window that whether we like it or not is hurtling towards us. Which player is more likely to return, says Jonathan? Bale or Ericsson? Charlie, you've got... Charlie's put his hand up like he's in a classroom. Uh, I think he wants to go to the toilet. He knows the answer here. Can I be excused? Uh, no, I, I would say Ericsson, definitely. Um, Conte even spoke about him uh, in a press conference uh-huh. around, around the time he went back to... Uh, went back or what? Well, came back to England, moved to Brentford and talked about him in glowing terms. I mean, obviously they worked together at Inter and he... He did that thing of he didn't rule out, uh, you know, a move for Ericsson in the summer. Ericsson will be a free agent. I'm not saying it's going it's going to happen, but I can, I can see that one. I mean, I, I'm not convinced it would. I don't know. I, I, I'm not convinced it would be the most kind of progressive step um, for Spurs to take. It feels a little bit like trying to, you know, reclaim faded glories, but. Yeah, I think it's possible. Whereas Bale, I'd be I'd be really surprised if that one were to happen. I mean, the whole it, what Paratici is saying, if we take him at face value, is you know it's all about buying players who can be good now, but can also be good in the future. And you look at Bentancourt and Kudelski, and they very much fit that paradigm. I, I, I'm you know Bale, we know doesn't have that long left, so I I, I just I can't really see that one happening. Help me with this, please, uh, either of you. Is Bale's contract up this summer? Yeah, it yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, would, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Gareth Bale training at Spurs. He's um, going to go to Cardiff. Uh, is I that reckon, right? This is, this is not an athletic excuses. This is just me sort of uh, guessing. But I can kind of say, yeah, he'll go for the emotional homecoming. A, a fairly low maintenance, easy thing. Go and play in the championship for half a season. Go to the World Cup, assuming Wales qualify. And then see what happens after that. And then I bet he stays there for like five years. That's the issue, Prediction. isn't it? Do do that's the issue. If Wales qualify for the World Cup, then he's going to have to keep playing football somewhere. And he'll either, he'll either we'll either see pictures of him training in London. But you're absolutely that was a brilliant piece of non-exclusive there, James. <laughs> um, of course, he's going to go to Cardiff and uh, and captain the team to uh, promotion and glory and all the rest of it. And when it does happen, James, you can claim that it, it actually was an exclusive and based on rock solid info. Yeah, that bit was a joke. Uh, but I, and I really hope I really hope that um, you, it doesn't get tagged, um, uh, you know, as yet another 
boring athletic exclusive. This is a view from the lane exclusive. I want, mm. I want that main play. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not that I'm on an exclusive bonus here on the, on, on the podcast, I'm, I've got to say. Um, Probably a good thank thing, you. that. Th- yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Even little doggies have got to eat, as they say. Um, Pete W asks, uh, oh, Pete, how could you do this to us? Which one player from the Premier League would instantly improve Spurs? And then he puts in his own uh, contribution, which is, I'm saying, Reese James. Now, as somebody who on this very podcast um, a few months ago before he started to get injured thought thought and said with that overdeveloped sense of confidence. Another uh, exclusive from you, Danny. Yeah, that that, that Reese James was the best player in the Premier League. Of course he's right, but uh, what about what about you, James? You must stay up at night um, when you're worrying about the state of the Athletics contributors, um, making lists of players uh, that would improve Spurs. Yeah, that's that's one of the things. Yeah, um, I mean James is obviously I, I can see the logic there because he's arguably the best player in the division in that position. I yes. know you think he's the best player in the uh, division. Full stop. Mm, um, ever yeah. I mean Alexander-Arnold uh, for the purposes of that role I wonder whether he may actually be slightly better suited in terms of being a playmaker as well that might suit Spurs quite well so actually I would probably lean more towards Trent and I know that's quite a mm-hmm. controversial topic particularly in an international week yeah. Uh, so yeah I'd probably say Trent Alexander-Arnold but I, look I, I mean realistically you could chuck like a De Bruyne or someone in midfield where we know Spurs have got a big lack of creativity. And he'd probably improve a team as well. I think, yeah, I guess the way to start is say, what are the two biggest areas that need improving? And I guess right wing back is one and the other is probably central midfield. Although it depends, you know, when Skip comes back. Central midfield is the answer and you're moving towards the correct answer to which, this question. Which is Jude Bellingham. Pete. It's Jude no. Bellingham. No, I mean, I did... Not, forget, a, yeah. not a Premier League player. No. Oh, it has to be from the Premier League. Oh, yeah. The answer you're looking for is Declan Rice, isn't it? Oh, Declan Rice, yeah. Mm. Nah. I, I mean, he's obviously <laughs> really good. But uh, he, I don't think he'd improve Spurs more than like De Bruyne or Alexander-Arnold. It's a win-win for me, though, James, because it means if he, well, plays, if, if he plays well, I'm clapping and saying, hooray for Declan. If he plays badly, I'm, I'm abusing him about giving up playing for the Republic of Ireland to take on that England shirt. Oh, I so, thought you were going to say he's denying West Ham. Yeah, you're weakening West, West Ham. Um, I don't even think about West Ham, James. How many more times do we have to go through this? <laughs> this rivalry is entirely in the heads of West Ham fans. I, I, I don't even know Declan Rice plays for when he's not playing for England, <laughs> truthfully. The... the- uh, the thing with Trent is interesting. I was talking about this with my brother yesterday. He he's such a like unique player. I I almost feel I feel like Reese James would be an easier to just slot in, and it would instantly make Spurs way better. I feel like Trent is this really sophisticated specimen that you need to kind of work out. Whereas James is more plug in and play, and you know he's he's going to hair up and down the line and provide the kind of things that Spurs have been lacking from that. Point. I mean. I suppose James is better at like James would be better at like attacking the back stick as Conte wants his wing backs to do. Like mm. when the left sided player had the ball, he'd be good at like surging into the back post. But Trent does have a set piece delivery that Spurs just don't have at the moment at all. So actually, maybe he brings that dead ball specialism as well. That that would yeah that would that would be an improvement. It's a tough one, but fortunately, it's not really going to be an issue. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the kind of dilemma that managers love to have. Trent, or we've come James. a long way from a Dharma Traore. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Wow, another another view from the lane exclusive. It's James or Trent. It is tempting to just go for someone like De Bruyne because he or Bernardo Silva, maybe someone like that. 
you know, he could play, could, could he play, you know, wide on the right, but also uh, in a deeper midfield role? It's a tricky one. And I, I guess because normally you, your mind goes to strikers, but that wouldn't be, given they've got Kane, that wouldn't be the smartest thing to do. The answer to your question, Pete, is we're kind of stuck over Trent Alexander-Arnold and Rhys James. Um, of course, that is the position in which English, English football has an absolute cornucopia it's, of, it's of talented mad. players. Central midfield, they're not buying Declan Rice, so it looks like it, uh, the answer to our question probably, Pete, is Rhys James and or Trent <laughs> Alexander-Arnold for squad depth purposes with Doherty backing them up as well in that position. A double swoop. Speaking of Doherty... Um, We've had another round of international matches in the last 24 hours, uh, 48 hours, and uh, it's real good adventures by Spurs players or ex-Spurs players. Who wants to start? I'll start. Serge Aurier against England. <laughs> oh, Serge. I mean, I've always had a real soft spot for Serge Aurier. And how can, you know, you're the captain of the team in a, in a pretty prestige international. You've got a good load of footballers, um, even though Wilf Saha missed the match. You manage somehow... I don't even see what, what, you know, he doesn't punch anybody. He doesn't handball the, the, the football as it's going across the line. And yet somehow he managed to get himself set off in the first half. That was pure, definitive, crystalline Serge Aurier. And I loved it. And yet it's probably not even in the top 10 Aurier oh. calamities in North <laughs> London, is it? Oh, no, no. He'll have to start a new scrapbook for that one, won't he? Because they're the ones absolutely bulging. <laughs> Stephen Bergvine, come on then. Um, he's the new Lewandowski, isn't he? Not only has he got these three goals, James, but they were all excellent finishes, which, of course, having kind of said he's got to be sold in two podcasts ago, made me suck a rather thoughtful tooth. Yeah, well, Jack got a little bit of a stick on Twitter, surprisingly. Not uh, enough, in my mind, but go on. <laughs> uh, for suggesting that Spurs it should keep Bergwijn over Lucas. Uh, and then subsequent to that, we've seen yeah two two more international performances. You know, we talked before about that Norway game in qualifying where uh, he was like a- absolutely crucial to Holland qualifying for the World Cup. And he, he just seems to be that when he's playing for Holland, he basically plays as a centre forward rather than a wide player, which I suppose is is the key difference. Just seems to suit him really well, and that does. I, I do find it hard to imagine him like being the replacement for Harry Kane, by which I mean like a sort of. You know, Europa League replacement, not like replacing Kane when Kane leaves. But I do wonder whether that might be an option that does allow Spurs to kind of focus more on those areas we just talked about of a team where they're really desperate to the signings. If assuming they can't afford to sign the five or six players that we talked about last week, <laughs> if they can only afford to sign three, then maybe that does give them the option to have him as a backup striker and focus on areas of more desperate need. But, I mean, it's really impressive. Yeah, I, I, good for him. My, yeah. my slight thought on Bergwijn is he strikes me one of those players who is quite, and I suppose you might say this of all strikers, he's quite sort of, you know, confidence is, is, is absolutely crucial to him. Uh, and I do wonder whether he's in a bit of a hot streak now and that might not necessarily translate to Spurs appearances for the rest of the season, but we'll see. Yeah. He also, he, he uh, broke his run of only scoring against Kasper Schmeichel after four straight goals against Kasper Schmeichel. <laughs> He finally scored against another keeper. It's a big relief. I mean, I, I was wondering about that after the Denmark game. I did think, has he scored since Leicester? And clearly not. So that, that maybe is an indication of the fact that he's not been able to build on those two goals against Leicester. Yeah. I, Although I guess he's barely played, really, is he? I suppose. Yeah, he's he's a really interesting. I don't think he's. Um, 
I think he started one game since then, and that was the Chelsea game immediately after uh, yeah. where Spurs lost 2-0. I mean, but he, he wasn't actually bad in that game. Was no, he? no, he wasn't. He, he, he was actually quite encouraging because he did quite a lot of work through the middle in the sort of centre-forward role you're describing, James. He held the ball up well. I mean, he, he, he is a really interesting player and he, he's someone who is very well thought of from a kind of technical perspective. He's very sensible on the ball. You know, he, he's, he's the kind of player that managers love to have in their squad. The, the slight issue now, and I was saying this off-air before mm-hmm. to Danny, was when you get to this stage of the season and you, and you only have one game a week and it thins out, you then suddenly have a very clear hierarchy of who, what your first eleven is. And Bergvine just isn't in that at the moment. You know, whereas earlier in the season, you have lots of games, you, you're playing twice and they, a week. And Spurs cannot afford to experiment. It's exactly. Just, it's, uh, so so as, as well as Bergwijn's playing, I don't think anyone would say, well, he's... Or, or has played in the internationals. You know, that means Kulisevsky should lose his place and clearly Son and Kane aren't going to lose their places. So at the moment, there just isn't that spot. But A, there could be an injury or he might come on and, you know, have such a good game he's undroppable. And or you wait until the summer when, you know, by the start of next season, depending on what competition Spurs are in, uh, European-wise, there will be far more opportunity for mi- opportunities for minutes. Um, and he can, he can still be an important player. I just wonder whether he's one of those players that needs to feel like he's first choice. You know, he put that sort of cryptic thing on Snapchat <laughs> last week. Was it like a picture of some flash car with sort of the, some weird motivational mm. yeah. phrase, something about like precious things need to be kept in mint condition? Or <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, was, it, it, was an, it was an adult version of Baby on Board, wasn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, that, that would be a worry. I'm not. I'm not can entirely convinced he's going to be a player who's going to thrive dipping in and out of the team. And of course, and and because and, only football can provide these sort of um, lasagnas of of irony. Um, if you believe what you read on less reliable sources than the Athletic, um, Spurs are looking at Memphis Depay, who is the kind of Stephen Bergvine that's already further down the road, isn't he? Mm. Probably a wide player, but likes to play up front. Certainly likes to advertise himself on Instagram and all the rest of it. Um, but well done, Stephen. Just while we're in the process of talking about goal scorers in and around Spurs, I take it everybody listening to the podcast has seen that little bit of footage of Antoine Griezmann training for France mm. before their most recent game. A cross goes in, uh, he powers in a header past Hugo Lloris. And then either because Tottenham centre forward uh, is a, a, an international striking icon or just to annoy um, his uh, t- goalkeeping teammate and captain, he shouts Harry Kane as he powers the header past Hugo Lloris. I enjoyed it very much indeed. Another person who is on Spurs' books who got a brilliant goal in the international break is Troy Parrott. I was sitting here um, watching the, the fag end of a really, really dreary game um, between the Republic of Ireland and Lithuania. And out of the blue, having come on as a substitute, had three or four shots and, and changed in the game a bit, Troy Parrott scored... I wouldn't say it was a worldie, but it was certainly a regionally. It was a European <laughs> at the very least. A continenty. Um, it was a really, it was a continenty, yes. It was, but it was a belter, wasn't it, Charlie? Yeah, lovely goal. And he, he made a massive difference. He he just came on and lifted the team. And he's he's a really interesting player and has been on a quite interesting journey I think for one of a, a really a, a really, really on-the-ball journalist would be writing a piece about this interesting player, even as we speak. Funny you say uh, that, what, Danny. A, to- a top editor would have commissioned this three <laughs> days ago. I think that was a, a self-commissioned, James, can I write about this? Yeah, sure, do what you want, mate. Uh, yeah, that, that was more how it went. 
Although actually, James, the real credit for that piece should go to the um, subscribers who asked about Parrot in our mailbag. Um, and we thought, oh, yeah, we should do a piece on that. I didn't foresee that he would come That he would say sword. yes, that James would say <laughs> well, yes. I think he would say yes. <laughs> Sorry, what I did say is that you should watch this game again. Is it Lithuania? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that is what I said to you, isn't it? You should watch the game uh, on Wednesday night. Genius, Tuesday. yeah. What we didn't foresee necessarily was that he would score a 97th minute winner to really make himself even more relevant. But yeah, I mean, if you cast your mind back a couple of years ago, he was this massive talking point when totally. Spurs had Kane and Son injured. It was every press conference and, you know, Twitter was going nuts with why isn't Troy Parrott playing? Troy Parrott needs to play, etc., etc., etc. Anyways, then had a bit of a, a mixed time. I mean, he went on loan last season to Millwall and Ipswich. Neither worked out great. And there was the sense last summer you know, of like what's what's happened to Troy Parrott. And actually, as I write in the piece, he he really knuckled down in the summer and he there was an island he was on an island camp. He scored those two goals for Ireland against Andorra. They were trailing one nil at Andorra and he scored two in quick succession to turn it around. They won four one. But anyway, he went away and really knuckled down and was doing kind of personal work with a personal trainer three times a week to really get himself in shape. Then went to MK Don's um, he did a bit of preseason training with Spurs and then went to MK Dons. Um, and he's become really popular there. I mean, he he started really well, scored a bunch of goals playing in that centre-forward role that we sort of associate him with. Then dropped out of the team, partly because it was he was coming and going with Ireland and then missing matches. Was out of the team and, and you know, it was like, what's, what's going on here? There was, you know, we were coming up to January, he was barely playing. And I think the thought crossed some people's minds there of like, you know, is, is even... You know, is, is he going to last the season here? Because he didn't the previous year. He did two two loans. And then, I mean, he's talked about it. it you know, he had a real kind of penny drop moment. It was like, I need to just knuckle down and, you know, make the most of this opportunity. And he got back in the team. Now playing for, for Don's uh, wide right in, in a kind of, I guess you might say a bit like what Bergvine has done at times for Spurs, mm-hmm. where he's, you know, clearly working his ass off putting in a massive shift that everyone really appreciates without getting a ton of goals and assists. That said, he has now, you know, he, ha- he has, uh, he ended a bit of a drought um, for MK Dons and the fans love him. I mean, he's a real fan favourite because he he does put himself about so much. But there's still a set, you know, it's then going to be a big, big jump to get back to Tottenham. And the sense is probably that he won't be a first no. team player there. But anyone who works in academy football will tell you it's not just about getting players to play for the Spurs first team or Chelsea first team, wherever you are, because the, the players who do that are so, so few and far between. What, what yeah. the academies are also there for is to set people up for good professional careers and Parrot, you know, that might be in the championship or whatever, but you'd hope he'd, you know, he'd have a good grounding and he'll probably go out on loan again next season. He's, he's on one of those contracts that expires in 2023, but Spurs have an option for another year, which they'll trigger and then loan him out again. But it's just, it's, it's good that, you know, he's managed to, it feels like, turn things around a bit. A player that was on, you know, that was hyped up probably Absolutely. way more than was realistic. And then, you know, and, and the, we love that narrative of a kind of, you know, a wasted talent. And then it was, oh, you know, Troy's not going to do anything. And so credit to him for lifting himself to a point where he's, you know, he's carving out a good career in League One. He'll probably play at a higher level than that and doing really well for Ireland as well. It'd be frustrating for him because, of course, he finds himself at club level um, behind Kane and Son, and at a time when the Republic of Ireland were, as I've said on many occasions, desperately struggling to replace anything, even the shadow of, of Robbie Keane, 
suddenly, all of a sudden, Chidozi Ogbene, um, Callum Robinson have been scoring goals, uh, starting to score goals for Republic. And last night doesn't even guarantee him, I think, a place in the starting lineup for the Republic. But I want him to, to do well, uh, only because I told so many people three years ago that he was going to do well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was you. Yeah, I forged oh. these unrealistic expectations, and it hasn't quite—it <laughs> hasn't quite worked out for him yet, has it? Over in South America, Rodrigo Bentancur, of course, played us, uh, played for uh, Uruguay, but they were, it was a lap of honor really for Uruguay. Um, the one that's really annoying, of course, uh, and it's continuing that kind of annoyance is Christian Romero, who, having spent half the season flying around in private jets to various games with Argentina, where he either got injured, ill, or suspended, flew all the way to South America because Argentina somehow believed they were going to get his current ban overturned, and they didn't. So he's been to South America and flown back again without playing one second of of international football. It's absolutely amazing. When I reported this, that they were calling him up, I mean, firstly, I was like, I just just couldn't believe it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was... but So I really had to double-check. I was like... this is definitely happening right before I wrote it. I was assured, yes, this is genuinely the case. I mean, I said, one of my first thoughts when I learned of this was that the you have to admire the AFA's commitment to winding Spurs up because it's really, it's just relentless. I mean, what the, the international rates this season have involved, what, a three-month injury, him getting kicked out of a country, him having to quarantine in another country, and now this round trip, F- to play zero minutes of a game of two games he was suspended for but at least at least he is back and he trained yesterday and I was thinking actually for all that Spurs have had a lot of players away f- for the international break as of yesterday you know they had th- their defense was in pretty good uh, attendance at Hotspur way because you had Regulon didn't get caught up by Spain Dyer didn't get caught up by England Romero was back Davis was back from Wales with only a you know a minor precautionary issue. Emerson didn't go. And Emerson didn't go. So it was actually yeah. only Matt Doherty, um, again, showing himself to be the jewel in that particular crown. He actually really nearly scored a pretty spectacular goal yeah, yesterday. Yeah, Reese James, take that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he obviously heard this or sensed that it was coming. But yeah, he sort of bundled his way through and had um, shot with his left foot safe. But yeah, I mean, just, just thankful, I guess, Romero came back without hurting himself. One other to add to that list, I watched the game in the middle of last night between Venezuela and Colombia because I'm just obsessed with football. And Davinson Sanchez returned to the Colombian side for the first time in, I think, eight games. And I have to say, was absolutely run ragged by Solomon Rondon. Uh, he really <laughs> was. You know, his partner was worse, Chiesa, I think the fellow's name, Chiesi. But Davinson was terrible. And I, I'm always trying to stick up for him. He headed balls straight up in the air and he'd be, be passing... It's confidence, isn't it? The very first minute, the pitch was quite sandy. The very first minute, he in his own penalty area, he miskicked the football straight into the oncoming path of, a, of a one of the Venezuelan forwards. Venezuela should have... It was a great game because the goalkeepers were both busy as hell. But at least he got, he got minutes into his legs because he may be required at the weekend, depending on the situation with Davis. And we'll talk about that next year on The View from the Lane as we preview, I'm going to say an important game. They're all important games for Spurs now. The match against Newcastle. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. With me uh, today are James Moore and Charlie Eccleshare. And hooray and hurrah, the international break is behind us. Last one, I think, this season. And uh, we're heading uh, heading towards the game against uh, the home game against Newcastle. Whereas I said before the break, I was going to say it's an important game. That is a tautology these days, isn't it? Every single game is now critical to Spurs as they try to hunt down their neighbours uh, in that place in the top four. And of course, if they win uh, this Newcastle game, they will go level on points with the aforementioned Arsenal. Although there'll be games in hand for the Gunners. What about, the? if I might start with you, Charlie, the injuries? What is the situation with both Davis and Skip? So Davis, they expect, will be fit um, for Newcastle. It was a precautionary ah. had an issue in one of his quads. And in fact, yesterday, I think the Wales manager came out, didn't he, and said that, you know, it, it confirmed that it was just a precaution, but that Spurs have been very good with their players. So uh, we felt we owed it to them uh, not to take any risks. So, yeah, he should be fine. And... Yeah, kind of a reminder of how important he's become because I was chatting with James on Monday, you know, thinking if he were to miss a game, who could replace him? And there isn't really an, Certainly an obvious... Certainly not Welsh man in the match, Joe Rodon. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, that that would be one option. But he's not... He does... The, the left-footedness... That is that the problem, Davis, yeah. He does, does give them that balance. Uh, but anyway, it's academic for the moment. Mm-hmm. He's only... I, I looked away. He's only missed... Two, um, he hasn't started. He started all but two games in all competitions under Conte. The last one he didn't start was... 
Boxing Day against Palace and the other one was uh, Moura in the Conference League. But anyway, he will play, I expect, and Skip, I expect, won't play. Um, well, where, are we with, where are we with all of well, Skip? Because it keeps going, that, that one, uh, we are being teased that things are improving and then you read somewhere else and of course, these are just people's non-medical opinions. Where are we with him? Well, I wrote on this a couple of weeks ago. The, the situation is basically he's being told to rest he's got this issue and the only solution really is is to rest it and then Conte came out and said uh you know we hope to have him back after the international break but I think that was more just a hope rather than based on a kind of medical bulletin or you know his own medical expertise so the expectation is that he'll still be out this week it's very they're very much taking it day by day and trying not to put too much of a time frame on it because they just don't know at this point. It is quite an unusual situation. If Davis is out, just to go back yeah, to that, yeah. and Sessegnon is out as well, and they wanted a left footer to play on the left of the centre defensive Don't say three. it. Don't say but it. Who, no, but who is that? Who's left footed at Spurs? Lloris? <laughs> play Lloris there. <laughs> Stick Galini and Golden and play Lloris there. The Kulusevski? Who else is left-footed? Regulon. Regulon. The only, yeah, but, but you need to play uh, left-wing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, left I, I yeah, thought so. you were going to suggest Regulon playing at centre-half. No, yeah. no, no. I'm going to suggest that. That's oh, insane. my God. <laughs> but, I mean, if, 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 basically what I'm saying is they can't, like, there is no left-footer for them to play there, realistically. No. They but I think Kulazewski would do a job. Uh, as a left-sided centre-back. Yeah. He'd do a better job there probably than Regulon. Um, yeah. I can't imagine that ending well. Maybe it would. I mean, from an attacking would sense, Davis does do a lot of bringing the ball from forward from deeper areas. Kulisevsky could do that, meander forward like Davis does. Do you think Reggion would be worse than Lloris? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think he would be worse than Lloris. Well, and after saying there was no more chances for Steven Bergvine, judging by that header he got the other day for Holland, he has hidden his talent in the air under a bushel for some time, maybe Stephen would have to play there. Well, in a Cannavaro's kind of way, <laughs> an enormous. Oh yes, league. exactly like Cannavaro. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm expecting. Yeah. Um, your 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 question, um, which has brought forth such hilarious uh, responses, James, actually hides the fact that there's nobody to, who's perfectly suited uh, for that. I suspect that uh, uh, Mr. Pericici is scouring uh, the known the known universe. For somebody who can fill fill that role, though you know, and you get again without get hoping to attract Jack Pitt Brook levels of abuse on Twitter. I think you just have to actually raise a hat in the general direction of Ben Davis for what he's done there this season. Um, yeah. He would not have expected that he would be playing as attacking left sided centre back for Spurs this year. I think he's done really really well. The fella, he's been superb. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a tremendous solid pro, isn't it? And you know. When we talked the other day about you know who, who's going to come and go from Spurs, every Spurs manager has, has, has really wanted Ben in the in the squad because he brings a whole lot of different things, doesn't he? He's a, a solid citizen, as John Champion would say. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Charlie. Sorry, Charlie's facial expression there was not what I expected. <laughs> you not have you never heard John Champion say that? He says it all the time. A solid citizen. Yeah, you're supposed to know about football commentators and stuff, mate. Maybe you should. Uh... And in, in, in the days when rugby union internationals were sometimes, how can I put this uh, kindly, fat, the great Bill McLaren, we would describe them as um, some prop forward running into the melee. You say, oh, he's a burly citizen. <laughs> a burly citizen was a brilliant euphemism for people, and I've got to be careful of the glass house here in which I'm throwing the stones, who are perhaps a little bit more upholstered than they should be. I was going to say, that's your go-to word, isn't it? Upholstered. I re- and it's exactly that, yes. <laughs> Superbly upholstered is my exact that's phrase it. to describe myself. So, 
you already, you already discussed the fact that um, at this time of the season, the managers, for better or worse, have nailed in their head the, the starting lineup. And I think, James, this is one of the more predictable. If everybody gets through their fitness test uh, on Saturday morning or whatever it's going to be, a child of four could pick the Spurs team, yeah? Well, yeah, as, as Charlie says, if it's Davis in, Skip still out, then yeah, it's yeah. going to be same as, isn't it? Yeah. Which I, I don't, I mean, when were Spurs have last had, because they didn't, they weren't unchanged between the last two games, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. Or three, maybe. Yeah. Did they make the, any changes between Everton, Brighton, and. So United, no, so Everton and United, they made a change because Sessignon got injured that game. He got injured okay. the Everton game, didn't he? So they, so Regulon came in for him for United. Then I think they run change United to Brighton to uh, West Ham. So yeah, it would be the same team four games running, which very yeah, that is extremely rare. Yeah, and it means we don't have to waste a lot of time. Um, sorry, not waste a lot of time. Uh, add to the enjoyment of the world and popular entertainment <laughs> by discussing who's going to be in and out of that Spurs team, which takes us to the opponents and. Obviously, this is this is an interesting one because three months ago um, we've been saying, "Oh, they're going to have you know John Joe Shelby shuffling about in midfield, and Almiron will run around like a maniac and, and not have any end product, and they can't defend for Toffee." But Newcastle are a very different proposition. And anyone who saw Bruno Guimaraes's goal for Brazil last night from someone who's supposed to be a defensive midfielder, albeit in a dead rubber, will be going, "Whoa, there's another footballer." Uh, the Premier League has suddenly hoovered up, who's very, very good indeed. What can we expect from Newcastle, James? It's interesting timing this game, isn't it? Because Newcastle were on a huge upward curve and on a very good run. I think the seven games unbeaten in the Premier League, where they might have won sort of six, maybe. But then they lost their last... I, you know, like the way I've said, they might have won six. Like, I'm not looking at it on another screen, by the way. That's how broadcast works. Yeah, that is, take that, some tips. Thank you, mate. That was method good. broadcasting. I liked it very much indeed. <laughs> But yeah, they have, they've lost their last two games and that game at Everton was one of the worst football matches I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Possibly second only to the game between Newcastle and Everton at St. James's Park earlier in the season where Everton were even worse than they were against Spurs. So to lo- lose to the 10 men of Everton is not a hugely encouraging sign. I suppose the positive from their perspective is they haven't played a game in two weeks since then. So they should be fresh. I mean, obviously they, they've improved on where they were at the start of the season or the first half of the season. But I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I, without kind of setting us up for a fall, sure. it will be a difficult game. And Newcastle also, even when they were utterly shit, had a good record at Spurs. If Spurs are serious about trying to get top four places, a game they should win. Yeah, it's a game they have to win. I, I, I guess it's fair to say. What have you made of uh, Newcastle's definitely improvement, uh, Charlie? And then, as, as you say, they're still capable of putting in a performance like they did against Everton. I do wonder whether Everton, uh, one of those teams that either inspire a, you know, the Spurs to go and just pull them to pieces or get, get teams involved in a kind of mud wrestling match, <laughs> um, which is what they end up with Newcastle. Drag them down to their level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Chelsea game Newcastle played a few weeks ago is we can expect a similar approach from them and they executed that really well and you know we're not for a couple of very dodgy refereeing decisions could easily have won that game let alone uh, draw it which you know was kind of the least they deserved they, they lost obviously to that late Kai Havertz goal and, and looked good you know were well organised and difficult to break down and Spurs can sometimes struggle against those teams I mean it's, it's crazy and I identified this after about five minutes against West Ham and it didn't take 
anything smart to do it, but just so surprised by how high West Ham were playing. You know, it's like, given what Spurs did to Everton a few weeks ago, and, and maybe we just can't understand the way it works. Maybe Spurs force you to do that in a really clever way and set traps. But it did seem strange. And I, I don't expect Newcastle will do that, given the way they set up against Chelsea. But all that said, as much as I think it'll be hard, they are a limited side and... Um, you know they're, they're missing Wilson, which is really, which is obviously really important to them. Shelby was out their last game, wasn't mm-hmm. he? And, and against Chelsea, so Trippier's not I, back, is he? Trippier's out, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think Shelby will be back, but you know they're missing some key players, and they're already not a, a brilliant team. So it's a big game, and and if Spurs win by two, they go into the top four. Uh, admittedly, Arsenal would have two games to play, but you know, at, at least it puts a bit of pressure on. Sorry, I just solved my own problem there about uh, France's lack of a right wing back. Trippier is a very, very French-looking <laughs> word, isn't it? I've been, I've been fretting about this for about a week, and now I know the answer. They're going to have to nationalise Kieran Trippier. We could, of course, England could uh, swap one of their central midfielders uh, out for Trippier if only such things were allowed. Look, it's to say Spurs can beat Newcastle. I don't want to use the word should because that's a not not the right thing to say in the Premier League, and also they have to, because if they do, uh, they will catch up with Arsenal on points. They don't play until Monday night um, against Crystal Palace. This is a big weekend. They're all big weekends, James, now for Spurs, aren't they? Great fun. It's the kind of game when you're in a top four battle and you're the team that are out in front. Uh, uh, Palace away, I'm talking about. Yeah. You kind of worry about a little bit, I think. Like, it's not, you know... It, it, Palace are obviously a beatable team, but uh, it's not like... There have been so many matches where Palace have kind of ruined other teams' ambitions. Not just that Cristambul game against Liverpool in 2014, but countless others. Yeah, it's not a great fixture. And it would be... It's kind of like their game against Villa the other week for Arsenal, where it would be a really big win if they were to get it. I think that would be quite a big psychological one as well, to go over the hurdle of that, I think, would be would be pretty significant. Charlie, it looks just like the game at Aston Villa, which they celebrated winning so... So uh, excitedly, and of course they did. That was a, a really difficult game that they found a way to to win. And Crystal Palace would be exactly the same. Yeah, I think if you're if you're looking at this from Spurs' perspective, you're you're hoping you're identifying this as one of the games where they they could drop points because Palace away. I mean, City went and drew there only a few weeks ago. Palace beat Spurs three 0 in this fixture. They were ve- they were very unlucky. Palace not to get something from Chelsea in this fixture a couple of months ago when. Chelsea scored very, very late. So I think it's a, it's a tough one. And I, I think with each weekend uh, match day, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, you know, these mini battles, I think you're looking at this one as one where could Spurs make a gain um, of a couple of points or or maybe even three. You know, obviously they need to do their bit. Sure. But yeah, pa- Palace away is, is, is definitely a tricky one. Should be on a bit of a high as well, Palace, shouldn't they? After... FA Cup semi-final getting to the FA Cup semi-final all these players who have just played for England in the last week I don't know maybe, maybe that becomes maybe those two things become distractions rather than kind of motivating factors but you would have thought like that there's certainly a club who feel like they're in a quote-unquote in a good moment and there's mm. positivity around Monday night under the lights as well that's probably not a bad thing for Spurs I don't know Monday nights under the lights at what I still think is a pound for pound the most rocking stadium in the Premier League when the team is playing well and the team feed off it. I mean, this, Crystal Palace, yeah. amazing atmosphere at Crystal Palace when they're doing well. Four wins, two draws in their last six in, yeah. in all competitions. I mean, admittedly, two of those are in the FA Cup and one was against Everton, so it doesn't really count. But so. <laughs> uh, listen, thank you very much indeed for all that. That was just exactly what we needed. Set up the weekend. 
um, and talked about some more of these issues and Spurs players who were doing one thing and another at international level. I think you've got a piece about uh, the whole situation with Troy Parrott, Charlie, coming up in The Athletic in the next 24 hours. Um, people can go and read that. And if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, then you can read that and all of our pieces on Spurs, as well as absolutely everything else that's on the vast site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can sign up for just a pound a month uh, for the first six months of your membership. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.